This is a Good Stories Hard to Find podcast. Where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below the surface. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And this one, a little more reality than usual because mm, it's a mm-hmm. documentary. <laughs> yes. Yes. This is Won't You Be My Neighbor um, about Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers. Um, yes. It's a movie that came out in 2018 and it was directed by Morgan Neville. Um, yeah, and this this movie, uh, not to be confused with another Mr. Rogers movie that came out right near the same time, which starred Tom Hanks, which was not a documentary. Right, and it was a, last year, I guess, and it okay. was about a year later. Okay. Um, I feel like. So, uh, yeah, because I watched both of them thinking, oh, my movies group, you know would like those <laughs> my movies groups that I do for nursing homes. So I haven't done those for quite some time thanks to COVID. But um, when I was watching the movie with Tom Hanks, I spent most of my time wishing I was rewatching this documentary. Oh, it, wow. it, it hit some of the same notes and Tom Hanks made an amazing Mr. Rogers. But I, I found this when I looked at a lot of the reviews. Also, the problem is is that it focused so much on the reporter whose story we are seeing Mr. Rogers through and how he was helped and everything that you don't really get to see very much of Mr. Rogers himself. And then I found out that most of the very big personal crises in the movie for this reporter had been um, invented mm. or greatly exaggerated. And I then I lost interest because I said, well, I know from watching this documentary that there were many amazing things and um, there's a lot more to it. And so I just thought, you know, at the end of the year, this has been, of course, as we all keep saying and hearing, (laughs) a very difficult, unusual year. And it's kind of been a bit of a, in one sense, it's a dose of reality, I think, especially for Americans. You know, um, we are subject to the forces of nature. We can't solve everything instantly, all this stuff. But it's also been a chance to um, reaffirm and appreciate a lot of the basic things that Mr. Rogers put forth in his show for children. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood ran from 1968 to 2001. Heck of a long time. But 1968 is the year I was born. Okay. And he started in Pittsburgh, and I was born in Pittsburgh. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I, I actually asked my mom if she, you know, were, were we watching? Because she had, I had two older brothers. So I was wondering, you know, was she watching Mr. Rogers mm. from the very beginning? And she, she didn't have any memory of that. Okay. So, um, but yeah, but they were right there in Pittsburgh when that started. So I, I say that, but um, when I think of my childhood and TV, um, you know, I remember Sesame Street. Um, I don't even know when that started. Um, I, you know, so I don't know. It's like the memories get all tied up. But I remember Mr. Rogers, but so I don't remember watching him a ton. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I don't remember him being like vitally important to me. Um, but uh, but I know I've seen several. I mean, I, I've seen quite a bit of it, I would say, as a kid. 
Yeah, my girls, I, you know, since I'm older than you, um, by <laughs> almost <laughs> 10 years, um, it, of course, came along mm-hmm. later than I would have ever watched. Yeah. And I tried it with the girls. They were Sesame Street kids. We all loved it. I would watch it with them when we came home from school or daycare or whatever it was. And I tried Mr. Rogers a few times with them because thinking, well, this is supposed to be really good. And they just will lose interest. Mm. And which may be because they were used to the faster pace or something about it. And it's kind of interesting because watching this, especially a second time when Mr. Rogers is talking about, or somebody's talking about how on children's TV at the time he was around, he was going at a slow, deliberate pace and dwelling on things a lot longer than most people would think necessary. Whereas things like Sesame Street were going fast and bright and exciting. And and it also has a bit of a slower pace when I think about the vignettes. Yeah, compared to things like Saturday morning cartoons. Um, right. You know, Sesame Street would have been slow. Yeah, but it mm-hmm. was still faster than Mr. Rogers. Agreed, yeah. And um, I realize I probably didn't watch it myself with the knowledge of what he was doing. Hmm. I, you just sit down and you watch. If you're not a kid, then you're not thinking of it the same way because he's really presenting to a specific audience. And now my son-in-law does have a real affection for his memories of Mr. Rogers. And he said he learned lots from Mr. Rogers. And he was um, an only child. They moved around a lot. Um, doesn't mean he didn't have friends and all that kind of thing. But, you know, this is, in a sense, what Mr. Rogers says is, TV is your community mm-hmm. also. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't really thought about TV that way. Yeah. And um, you're right. I Mark, mean, just to think, you know, if you, if you were moving around from place to place to right. be able to turn on a TV and have the same show on would be right. really vital, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's so, incredible. Um, so, yeah, yeah. just to, to feed into what you're saying too, um, there was a quote somewhere in the movie that said, if you wanted a recipe for the opposite of success, <laughs> it would be the show. <laughs> it was like, it was like low budget. It had a star that was like not a typical one, you know, somebody that, you know, could be in a meeting and you would be like, well, really, is anyone going to really watch this person? Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. and, uh, all that stuff. And, and then the subject matter and everything. Um, but yet it was on for 31 years. So it's amazing. Yeah, and I think it's an interesting um, testimony to somebody who said, no, no, I have a different vision. He And it's funny because you wouldn't think of somebody whose emphasis is on children, whose emphasis on we have to listen and go slow because this mm-hmm. is how people communicate really best and how children understand things best would be interested in television, which seems to be the opposite of that, as we've said. But he was fascinated by this new medium. Right. And then got interested in communicating with kids. And I uh, found that fascinating. I did, too. Did you uh, catch the the part in the the movie where he was trying to show for adults? And it was yes. it was a little bit excruciating to watch the clip that they showed in this movie. Anyway, it was yeah. excruciating, but he was doing the same kind of a slow, kind of a contemplative thing, and it just wasn't working at all for for with adults. 
No, and as they said, he became he let himself be very vulnerable in that show, mm-hmm. and you could see him doing it. That's what made it kind of excruciating when he was like, "You're painting a portrait of your soul with this music," and I'm like, "Oh no, we might get that, but that's not how you say it." No, stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but children are just different, and it was interesting also to watch this. And I have a new grandson. I mean, mm-hmm. very new, a month old. Yeah, and. I was watching this and thinking, I have to try to remember some of these lessons of, you know, how do you relate to kids and how do kids relate to the world? It doesn't mean that we don't all grow up perfectly fine, but what are the expectations that are put on kids that they do or don't grasp or uh, accomplish, you know? And, and, and just to his whole, his whole vision and philosophy. And um, I was fascinated by that watching this. Um, mm-hmm. because, you know, when you, when you listen to him talk, you think, of course, you know, this is something that kids really need. And, and he, he, he's talking about love, you know, and making sure that everybody knows that they're loved and, you know, at the most basic, which is, you know, what we're taught as Catholics all the time. I mean, you know, everyone has this worth, um, and he's trying to convey that to them, um, I thought that was beautiful. Yeah, and as um, somebody said, and maybe it was, there was another character who I really liked, or I say character, Hmm. person, (laughs) in the documentary who would come in and kind of just make little comments that summed up really nicely some of the points that we were watching. And he was um, maybe the director for the Fred Rogers Institute or something, young Asian man. Oh, yes. Uh Yeah, and he kept pointing out because he was a Christian, because he was an ordained minister, because this was his ministry, but he knew you couldn't just preach a sermon. You show it by how you live and treat other people. Mm-hmm. And that is the whole point of, at one point, Mr. Rogers says, love is at the root of everything, love or the lack of it. Mm. And wow. that is, of course, so true. And he, because at another point, I believe... It was he who also said, everyone long, longs to be loved and longs to know that he or she is lovable. Yeah. And I thought that's the real key, that you want to know you're lovable as you are. It doesn't mean that you don't have things you can get better at or other things, ways you want to change or something. But at the root of who you are, your very soul, you are worth something. You are valuable. And that there's nothing more Christian than that. Agreed, agreed. So the person you're talking about, I just looked him up. His name is Jun Lei Lee, and he's with the Harvard Graduate School of Education. Um, okay. But there is a Fred Rogers Institute that he's part of as well. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe he's not the director, but yeah. Um, and he would come on and he would say, isn't this the, the root of Christianity? Isn't this, um, you know, what the Savior taught or something like that? I mean, he would make it very explicit in a way that, of course, Fred Rogers didn't. Right, right. And, um, yeah, and this idea of this, uh, well, the neighborhood itself, right, mm-hmm. is, um, you know, Fred Rogers said, it's like an invitation. You know, won't you be my neighbor is an invitation for someone to be close to you. And yeah. um, so just like you said, he's forming this community. Um, which is fascinating, you know, uh, to try to do that on television. Well, yeah, because I also didn't realize that he was doing this partly in reaction as a commentary 
to the programming he saw on TV. And sometimes you'll see protests, or you used to much more often, about children's programming or just in general, the sorts of programming on television. And people will kind of laugh at that. And what he says is true. You know, he says a television relationship to a child is a real relationship. And of course, it made me think of the days before TV was as fragmented as it is now, when everyone could go to work and you'd all talk about Cheers, the <laughs> yes. latest episode. You'd all talk about Seinfeld. You'd all talk about whatever popular show you saw. And that was a touchstone that actually made your neighborhood bigger and it made your community bigger. <laughs> and That's we're so not funny. As you're talking about that, I'm thinking Star Trek. Because yeah, Star for, Trek. for me, Mr. Spock was my Mr. Rogers, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I, I remember um, Star Trek was on for me on Saturday mornings before Saturday morning cartoons. Wow. Yeah, really? crazy. Huh? So I, I remember getting up early to watch Star Trek. Um, this is right and proper. Right, right. I re- you know, remember the old TV guides? You'd yeah. look at the TV guide and say, oh my gosh, Star Trek. I, I remember discovering that Star Trek was on. And um you know, I, don't, I can't even remember the first time I saw that. But but so then, funny. you know, you talk about community and Star Trek, as you, you know, without the internet and everything, was a community. Um, yes. It very much was. So, and then as the internet started to blossom, now it's like very obviously a community. Um, but even back then, you know, you had Star Trek conventions, which I wasn't, I didn't attend anything like that until college. Um, because I didn't even know they existed, to be honest. Right. Um, but but there was always an instantaneous recognition of somebody who liked Star Trek too. <laughs> you know, all well, of a sudden, boom, that's a community. Yeah, you know? that still goes on. Um, speaking of Star Trek, it made me think, I have a friend, Kim, who's uh, definitely younger than I am, and she loves Star Trek, has gone to a Star Trek convention, all this kind of thing. Oh, and, yes, um, uh-huh. Right. Yeah. And, the reason but, I said oh yes is because she it was she was the one on the the interview that you yes. sent me, right? Yes. Love it. Yeah. And we should send a link because or put a link on the podcast mm-hmm. notes because she tells a lot of who she is in that and a lot of what appealed to her about Star Trek and but and her conversation about different episodes is so insightful and mm-hmm. um, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, you don't absolutely. have to just know her, mm-hmm. but. We should do that. But anyway, so Mm -hmm. that was her community. And it was a community that other people didn't understand, like her family or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it allowed her to express part of who she was. And in fact, she and I both like Star Trek. And we are one show a week. So we're going to be working through this till I die. Have been working through the original series. And now we're on season four of The Next Generation because Rose had never seen it. Good. And, so Riker um, has a beard now, so things are better. Oh my gosh, everything's much better, <laughs> much better. Fantastic. Also, O'Brien is there, so you know, it's it's all good. Everything's coming together. Yeah, yep. yeah. Wesley's Love. gone off to the academy, so we're <laughs> even better than ever. But the thing that's mm. funny is, is I now she's always wanting to know what have you watched. So after I watch an episode. The whole family will say, okay, I this was all right, or I really liked this, or here's what I liked about it. And so, uh, especially Rose will say, okay, so you have to tell Kim this. You know, you can tell Kim this. Have you got your phone back here? And so I'll text her 
our thoughts on mm-hmm. the last episode we watched. And she knows them so well, she she could say, oh, yes, I'll just say the name <laughs> of the episode. She knows which one it is. But oh, nice. we yeah. often don't have big conversations. It's just text. But mm-hmm. that's a different community. We're relating yeah. on that level in a different way. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. then here is so, Mr. Rogers doing this without the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet making this deep connection with kids. I mean, that, that's what he was attempting. Um, I was re- yeah. really touched by the proof of that when it was a very new show mm-hmm. and there was somebody at the station showing it and developing it who really loved it. And everybody else was like, uh, uh-huh. Right, right. And thought she was nuts. And she said, let's have a Mr. Rogers day and we'll have people come and Mr. Rogers will be live. And the line went blocks and blocks, all oh, these people yeah. and their kids and I thought that must have been such a wonderful affirmation. And think how wonderful for those kids oh, to get absolutely. to see the person. Absolutely. Yeah, that must have been something. And um, yeah, just to do that and just to realize that what your audience is, because even back then, I mean, even to find out if anybody's even watching must have been hard. Right. You know, that's just not as easy it is as it is today. But he was like... Um, he was like filling in a, a potential gap for kids that had that gap, right? Right. It, it was like, you know, th- there's something not happening at home, something not quite right, or something that's going on in the world that is throwing them a kilter and maybe their parents can't talk to them about it because they don't understand it. You know, or or they're having trouble too, you know, like... like um well, one that I recall them them talking about was the assassination of uh, of Kennedy, mm-hmm. of Robert Kennedy. Bobby Kennedy. Robert Kennedy, mm-hmm. yeah. So here we are. I mean, that was 1968, um, yeah. which is when they started. So he was like, just from the very beginning of the show, uh, you know, and, and even the very first episode of the show. Remember, they said <laughs> from the very first episode, he was he was like doing this difficult stuff. You know, talking about difficult things for kids, you know, so that right. so that they could, um, I don't know, help them get over the trauma of whatever it is that's happening in the world right now. And then the personal stuff where if they're in a home that may not be as loving to make mm-hmm. sure that they know that they're loved, you know. Um, right. Yeah. Just, just amazing. And then um, yeah. uh, something that you said that, that I really actually wrote it down. I was, I was, his anger at the other kid shows was palpable. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was really angry <laughs> at some of the yeah. stuff. He says, some of the stuff we're making for kids, I mean, don't they even think about what this does, you know, to a kid? And, and, you know, here we are. <laughs> and he talked about the lack of dignity for the human person. Right. And I thought, right. wow, this is like listening to a Pope talk or something. Yeah, because for sure. And they're showing clips of different things with people all getting pies thrown in their faces or people getting junk thrown on their heads. And Mm -hmm. it's funny. Just slapstick comedy, yeah. Yeah, it was slapstick and everything. And it's like, I've never really loved slapstick anyway. It's the rare Mm -hmm. person who can pull it off for me. And maybe that's part of it. I don't think it's because I ever thought about the dignity of the human person, but I just never saw anything funny about someone getting a pie thrown in their face. Mm -hmm. I never thought about the lack of dignity for the human person shown in that until he was talking like that. And I'm watching these things going, yeah, that's the basic message. Mm -hmm. It's fun to be mean to other people in in essence. Right. Fun to be mean. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
which is just you know yeah and and he's he was fighting against that um and it, it, it was frustrating for him to be lumped into the thing called children's programming when that stuff was in the same bucket yeah and uh you know i can completely understand i mean here he was being very thoughtful about everything that he's putting out there with just cognizant that there's somebody that's going to watch this and this is what I want them to take away from this. And that's what the show is, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, on another channel, you've got, you know, people <laughs> people being thrown off of buildings or whatever, you know, uh, right. being hit in the, pie, in the face with pies or just like you said, you know? And, and, and when, when he said that, he said, uh, when he, he discovered television, basically, He's looking at it, and this is what they're doing with it. And that offended yeah. him, too. Even before the show, he was like, this is what this is a great, incredible medium, and this is what we humans are doing with it? You know, yeah. I, I, I appreciated that, too. Yeah. It's not to say everything has to be thoughtful and slow and like, you know, an art movie like Babette's mm-hmm. Feast or something like sure, that. Sure, sure. But, you know, you have to have um, – some bigger thing going on mm-hmm. underneath. And I think that was the thing with Mr. Rogers is there was always something bigger going on underneath, whether it was recognized or not. And in that sense, you would never think of him as countercultural, but he was doing countercultural TV. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just sure. kind of interesting to think about in order to make his point, he was not paying attention to anything that anybody else wanted him to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, very very good stuff. Um Yeah, and and um and just his continued philosophical viewpoint was something you know that I found interesting as the documentary went on and he mm-hmm. started, you know, he's talking about modulation or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it seems to me there are different themes in life, you know. Uh it's just interesting. And when he went uh, in front of the Senate to yes. to try to uh, help the PBS stay funded, <laughs> yeah, that was good stuff too. Um, that and what, was. What a, I mean that that guy that was the head of that committee. I don't even remember his name, but geez, you know what a jerk. Ronald <laughs> Sourpuss. That's for sure. That's for sure. But the funny thing is, is in a sense, I could understand some of his, for his frustration. For one thing, you know, he didn't really probably care about PBS. Why should we give them all this right, money? Right, right. But the yeah. other thing is, you can imagine the prepared statements everybody was reading. Yeah, yeah. You know, very intellectual or higher level or, you know, mm-hmm. um, kind of like something Frazier would have written. Maybe right, right. Another cultural touchstone. Yeah. And then... When he's making Fred Rogers, uh, he's like, no, do you want to read your thing? And he's like, I'll just sum up. Yeah. (laughs) And um, when he talks about the unique quality and irreplaceability of each person and that everybody has value and here's what we're trying to do and here's – and then he says – uh, may I sing you a song? I mean, (laughs) I'm listening going, oh, my gosh, you are just going to be you. And, um, but he's so earnest and he's reaching out and that's what touches the guy's heart. Yeah. And he's like, which that's is incredible. It. Yeah. That's, he says, this is, you it know, incredible like or whatever his it is. His heart grew three sizes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
That's uh, right. And I love I mean, the thing that leapt out of me at what he said right there was Mr. Rogers. You know, he said, we need to help our children become more and more aware that what is essential in life is invisible to the eye. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. I mean, yes. So very much yes. Right. Because um, he was, as somebody said, he had the spiritual dimension without sermons. And his message was, love your neighbor and love yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's that thing. It's, you know, what's valuable is invisible. And we're helping everybody to become more themselves. Right. And right. so mm-hmm. at, at one point they then move into people criticizing Mr. Rogers mm. and I was dumbfounded. I never yeah. under- thought you could not like him other than maybe to go, well, he's kind of slow for me. Right. For this sure. Was and and the, the, the director of this show really did that perfectly because I was, I almost gasped. I was mm-hmm. like, you're kidding me. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like, you know, here's a good, 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 you know, this is, look at what he's doing, look at what he's doing. And then boom, it just kind of came out of nowhere and it really hit hard. So well done by the director. Yeah. Um, Everybody blaming him because mm-hmm. these are the entitled children. They all think <clears throat> they're special and they should be handed everything. And I was like, that is not what I was getting at all. Mm-hmm. And that's what not I was- what I felt from him either. Mm-mm. In know, fact, he said it's to help children through some of the difficult modulations in life and show yeah. them that their feelings matter. Well, that's very different. And and at one point he said, um, well, sometimes the world is like that. You know, sometimes right, you just have right. to accept things aren't the way they should be. I really liked that way of talking about stuff. You mm-hmm. know, so he's not like everybody needs to be a winner and everyone gets a trophy, which is something that I think is difficult and negative in our society. Um, But I I don't think that that's what he was saying. He was saying this incredibly difficult thing is happening to you or happening to us as a society. If he was talking about something big, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. but you're okay. You know, we're we're making this, isn't it, isn't it, uh, or I'm trying to remember like an exact thing that he said, it's like, this happens in the world sometimes. Yeah. You know, so he wasn't like, I mean, just to present that to, to a kid or anybody, you know, who is going through something difficult and trying to, to say anything other than, yes, this happens and it's, it's no good. Right. Um, Which is you admitting, Hey, this, this is happening. Okay. Now I've got to deal with that. But then it's also, but you're okay. You're making it through this. Yeah. And that is so much different than here's a trophy. I mean, I can't even, Oh yeah. you know, I can't even, uh, it, it wasn't even close. So it was really surprising to me what those <laughs> critics were saying. Well, and I was thinking about the fact too, that some of this ties in one of the protest groups was, you know, Fred Rogers thinks it's okay for people to be gay or something. Mm. So they're, you know, protesting and um, at his at his I, funeral, no less. Yeah. Oh my! Because you yeah. know they've lost touch with everything that matters. Right, um, right. But the thing I found interesting is thinking of how many social issues he would kind of address without ever saying that's what he was doing. Mm-hmm. So that at this time when they're worried in the city, I guess, wherever across the country about segregation in swimming pools, which I look at that and just go, Oh, I guess that was something I, wow. you know, you yeah. 
We've come a long way, despite the problems that people talk about today. We have come a long way. We sure have. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. so they're showing some of that footage, and then they're showing him with uh, the, I guess it's the man who plays the policeman, mm-hmm. the constable, whatever they call him, and he's black. Mm-hmm. And he, Mr. Rogers is sitting there going, it's such a hot day. I've got my feet in this little, you know, swimming pool. Why, why don't you come down and get your feet in here, too? And it's so comfortable. Yeah. And it's just a sign of shared humanity that why would I think about anything except we both have hot feet. Mm-hmm. And that's a good way to show that to a kid. And at the same time, he was protecting kids from stuff that they're not ready to think about yet. So. Mm. Um, in the way that um, the show never talked about homosexuality mm. and wouldn't allow any breath of scandal about anything like that to touch it because that's inappropriate for young children. Well, more more than that, I mean, there were realities too. There were... Well, there yeah. Were, yeah. Oh, no, there were absolutely realities. Right, but you in, get the sense that... And he was struggling with his own concept of how do I deal with this whole issue. Right. But my sense was really that, you know, this... It, just like you don't talk about certain... There's some things that you don't need all the details on until you're older. Mm-hmm. Like where do babies come from? Sure. Um, yeah. It's the same thing of these things are too big for little children. And if you start having scandal around the show because of that, then you start having scandal because of, you know, then you have kids affected and parent. I mean, I don't know. It's just, it balloons. Right. Well, it would have been at that time, an incredibly difficult thing to even talk about. Yeah. Just incredible. I mean, the, the, the firestorm it would have caused, Mm -hmm. uh, would have been just, uh, I don't know that they could have overcome it. Well, so, I don't think he ever so, dealt with alcoholism either. So yeah, I mean, I'm not, these I'm not are sure the kind he did either. Things. Yeah, he he did right. deal with things like divorce and mm-hmm. and things like that. And death. So right, yeah, I mean, heavy, heavy things. Yeah. But but he was always, um, we love you just the way you are. It's mm-hmm. like from wherever you are, <laughs> you are loved as you are. Right. So yeah. I mean, but that encompasses a lot, right? So again, mm-hmm. like you said, it doesn't mean that we all don't have things to work on. It, 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 you know, that's not what he was saying, and I don't think you could mistake that for that. But he was just saying, wherever you are right now, you know, you are loved, right? And making sure that they knew it, yeah, right, because and, you as a person are a valuable yeah. creation. There were no accepts. <laughs> Except if you're this, you know, I mean, none yeah. of that, none of that, you know, so. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, just that was groundbreaking. So, very good. Well, and I also like um, when he was talking about having to speak on difficult issues like 9-11, when mm. they called him in and went, you need to yeah. do some kind of Isn't a statement. Isn't that interesting that they would call him in for that? And that yeah. was right at the end of his show. I mean, he had just, he had finished mm-hmm. and they called him back. And he's like, well, I don't know what good this is going to do. Um, yeah. And then, but but the producer or whoever was saying, you have no idea how much you mean to people, you know. Yeah. Which is true, you know, because he had a way of talking about things. Um, they even, uh, I think it was an NPR uh, show. Susan host. Sandberg. Okay, good. She was always she was having iconic. him on. Right. Always having him on to talk to, you know, how do we talk to our kids about this? And yeah. then they'd have him on as a guest to talk about that. And he always had some good stuff to say about that. Well, and I thought it was interesting because um, 
and some of this I think was said by, oh gosh, the guy whose name I can't remember, the young Asian guy. Okay. Yeah, um, Jun Lee Lee. <laughs> yeah, where he said yeah. it's, you know, part of what he was talking about is it's always an ongoing struggle to fight evil. Mm. Like 9-11. And so you forget that this is part of what's going on too. We're here, and Fred Rogers said, we are here to be repairers of creation. Mm-hmm. Well, that is ultimately Christian. And now it's in yes. part of our cultural mm-hmm. consciousness. People mm-hmm. don't realize that's Christian. Nobody mm-hmm. felt that way before Jesus came or before, you know, um, the Jews had that message, of course. Because that's mm-hmm. a continual message of our partnership with God. Yeah. But, you know, the Romans didn't care about that. Where can I build a viaduct? Where can I do this? Where can mm-hmm. I, you know, that's, they're not worrying about repairing creation. And um, and then he said the thing which I always like to remember, you know, when things are really, my mother always said, when things are really scary, look for the helpers. There are always people who are helping. Look mm-hmm. around and find the people who are helping. And because what that reminds you is, we're all helping each other usually. Hmm. There's some bad happens, some evil, and sometimes some very bad people, but there's always good people. Very, very interesting. Yeah. I remember um, 9-11, of course, very well. Mm-hmm. And um, you would think, you know, if a movie had been made of something like that before that had ever happened, you know, you would have panic in the streets and all this stuff. Not, not mm-hmm. that you didn't, but the level at which there was calm and helping um, was a surprising thing to me. And why was it surprising? Only because of the 150 movies I've seen in which, uh, <laughs> you know, Godzilla shows up and there's complete panic in the streets and people running over each other. Um, yeah. But instead, uh, what it seemed to be was not that. It seemed to be people helping each other. Right. And, uh, of course, you know, running out of the way of the, the event as it happened, but not, I mean, after the event, there was a calm, there was a, a helping and, um, mm-hmm. that was, that was something. Yeah. People from across the country went to help. Yep. Yep. I mean, you saw that recently in when New York was hit very hard by COVID and there were doctors and nurses from across the country going yeah. to help. Right. Yeah, I should say I'm, I'm in Utah, and uh, mm-hmm. some of the New York doctors and nurses have come here. Yeah, <laughs> in return for a lot of the Utah ones that went there. Yeah. So, because um, we're kind of going through uh, an uptick here, so. Um, but yeah, it's amazing. You know that that's that's what we do, and um, well, it's hard. It's hard yeah. not to be. I mean, the, the cynical is, you know, everybody's on their own, so that's the cynic. Well, it's also, um, we kind of tend to forget that things that are emphasized for the sake of the story Mm. are not really always the emphasis of real life. True, right. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I am listening now to, off of LibriVox, the Blue Fairy Tale book from uh, Andrew Lang. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know about these. I don't, huh? Oh, gosh. These Mm. are great. They are, um, I mean, there was a a blue one, a red one, a brown one, a yellow one, whatever they were. And the first one was the blue one, and they gathered together a bunch of children's stories from around the world, fairy tales. 
and they bowdlerized them some. So if there was, you know, explicit sex or something, they took them out all, or they just softened things a little bit. Although I haven't listened to anything that was really like that yet. And, Mm -hmm. um, they were originally, I think, going to do, and here's the poetry book, and here's the whatever book. But the fairy tale book was so popular, they just went ahead and started collecting fairy tales from all over the place. And so I've been listening and realizing that we recognize the patterns of storytelling because a lot of us were taught them in these fairy tales, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And those are the same beats that get hit in the dramas we tell today. Here's this evil person. You have to overcome it. You have to have these qualities. Maybe you'll learn this lesson, but here's somebody nice who comes to help you. Well, that's the stuff that we take and we turn into these apocalyptic dramas. Mm. They don't ever look at, here's, here's what happened and the whole village pitched in to help this person or to help save the people who were uh, buried in an earthquake or to, but how many times on the news do we see those stories? Mm. All the time. Yep. You know, here's all the people who went to help the people whose uh, poor little island was flattened by a hurricane for the third time this year. Yeah. And then I've all, I always look at the news. You know, I don't even watch cable news anymore and haven't for at least four or five years in any kind Yay. of regular fashion. Because uh, that, that's what they're doing is they're, I mean, uh, the negativity, um, just drumbeat of negativity and, and it is exactly in how it's presented. It's a shame that, you know, a good news network, you know, could it, would it survive? <laughs> could you just have a, a cable news network? That's just like good news. Well, um, remember at the beginning of the COVID crisis, yes. um, John, yes. Krasinski. Gosh, yeah, John Krasinski, Krasinski yep. was, he was yeah. doing a good news thing. That's for sure. Millions watched millions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's like, we need some good news. Here you go. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely great. Yeah, yeah, but you're you're right. You know, there's it's amazing stories all the time. You know, uh, COVID's happening in New York. Uh, it's horrible. This is just a horrible thing. But then, um, here comes help. Just like you yeah. said, and that you know they did say that stuff on the news. To be fair. But it's uh, but that is an incredible thing um, that should be celebrated. Um, that could be that could be the headline. <laughs> they do tell those st- good time stories, but on the news. But often things are framed in a well sociological or political frame of mind. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and it's not saying this of every news station, especially I think the local news is much less likely to do this. As you know, you're saying that's the cable news where they're going, well, we have this, we're talking to this group of people like Mr. Mm. Rogers did. We're yeah. talking to people who think like this. Right. And here's the frame of mind in which we're going to tell this story. Uh-huh. So we're going to emphasize these things. And in that case, you're right. It's like um, a movie Mm-hmm. Or a TV show. Well, that's exactly what it is. I mean, it, they're they're trying to make money, and they make money if you come back. So therefore, right. they're doing things that try to make you come back. I mean, right. that's just the facts, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. But you're right. They they've they're catering to specific audiences, which is which is a really difficult thing right now. Um, you know, we we we've we've separated so far that it's we don't even deal with the same factual information. We can't even agree on what the facts are, much less 
how do we yeah. solve a problem, right? And it's just become because now we're in these silos where, you know, well, if I'm conservative, I should be watching this. And if I'm mm-hmm. this, I should be watching this. And uh, they're just really good at it. So yeah, it's funny because there are the station we watch locally for the news. Um, we often will turn it on for the weather, but we will stay long enough to watch a feature they have called Viewer's Voice. And um, occasionally they'll play the tapes of the people who've called in. and But every time, no matter what, they've got something, even if it's just people who've responded on the main anchor's uh, Facebook page or whatever. And it's fun to watch, for one thing, because he makes very snarky, common-sense comments that you wouldn't expect a news anchor to make. And um, But he'll often, lately especially since before the election, but when politics got really big, he's like, okay, so tonight we're going to present the liberal point of view. And it's all about you guys are the worst. You're not showing any of these things. You're all, and then he'll, the next night he'll go, okay, so tonight we're going to present the conservative point of view. And it's the same kind of reaction about the same stories, just that twisted. uh, And I'm not, I don't mean twisted. Each side has, has, looked at things through such a narrow lens, only a few things are getting through that they're interpreting in a way that actually is hilarious to anybody who's not one of those two groups. And um, it's, it's, it's funny to watch them kind of go, we're getting yelled at for everything. Hmm. So we must be okay. Cause we must be in the middle. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. Did you find it interesting that this uh, director found it important to mention that Fred Rogers was a Republican? I thought that was odd. Yeah, it's, it's it didn't seem to fit it. That's it because that's not what he was doing, right? That's no. not what he was doing. He was above all that. Yeah, they right? kind of mention that, and then they just drop they drop it in there, and then they move on. And I'm like, are you? What are you commenting on? What <laughs> yeah. came before this, or what's coming after? Because right. I don't they, understand. They didn't, it, it did seem to be disconnected from everything else. Right. Um, but but clearly, it was important to the director. You know, otherwise it wouldn't have been in there. So why why was it in there? I don't know. But he said he was a lifelong Republican, you know. <laughs> so I imagine, you know, like a liberal watching that would say, "Oh, really? Well, that really mm. just shocks me, because you know he's here talking about all people and how they should be together. That's the liberal thing that he's talking about." And that's a good point that you picked up on. I didn't even stop to think about the fact that the director chose to drop that in there at that moment. I just remember finding it a weird piece of information because I was like, what does that have to do? Oh, we're on to the next thing. Yeah. <laughs> so so I do remember it, you know. Yeah, yeah. I just wonder what, what his thought process was. What was he thinking? What was he trying to say? The director, I, I mean. would say also his story is, um, it does show how events in your own life can help you try to see a better way for other people. They, they did refer a lot to the fact that, you know, of his childhood and elements that might have led to him emphasizing the things he did. And I thought, yeah, but all that did is give him an empathy that maybe other people had forgotten. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, they, I didn't see it as something that really necessarily formed him in the way they seemed to be implying. I don't know. Maybe that was just me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I did like the fact that they talk about after he's been diagnosed with his final illness. Mm-hmm. And it was like a little lesson in dying well. He says, I, well, you know, I hope to die well, you have to die with your hopes intact. <laughs> right. And of course, for Christian, he's not mm-hmm. saying that, but for a Christian, that's your trust in Jesus' promises. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was well put. I, I liked that sentence. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he, um, yeah, and this whole thing, um, I like the fact that they don't shy away from his Christianity. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of things will. Right, right. Yep, agreed. You know, and he, and and the way he presented it, you know, he he didn't uh, he didn't present these as Christian things. Again, it's like you know when when someone writes a story that's a Christian story, often it doesn't come out very mm-hmm. well. But when somebody who's a Christian writes something and it kind of oozes out, that's really what Fred Rogers was, right? It, it's right. like uh, the light with which he sees everything. You know, yes. not not the a filter through which he looks or something like that. Right. Yeah, um. So so he wasn't on the TV saying everyone ought to be Christian. Yet Christian values is what he was espousing. Yeah. If you live that way, if right. you absorb those messages, yeah. it enhances your faith. Mm-hmm. Um. And if you don't, it gives you a good solid basis of um with which to understand Christianity or embrace it if you come across it later in a different form. Hmm. Right. I think. Yeah. Um, in that sense, he was like a, one of the missionaries who, you know, like Mother Teresa, mm-hmm. you know, she goes, she's pulling dying and sick people out of the gutters of Calcutta. Hmm. And, um, you know, took lots of flack from, I, I, I can't remember when I first heard, you know, people criticizing her. And I was like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, she's saving people or giving them dignity right before they die, showing them the same thing that Mr. Rogers does. And he's taking that same um, mission of showing Christ's love to people because they're an emblem of, well, they in the image of God. He does, and that's never said here, hmm. but that's what he's doing. Anybody who does that, that's what they're doing. Right, right. Um, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. We just don't think of it that way because it's kids' TV. And I have to say one of the things that I liked about it is I, from the few times I watched the TV show, I was like, I don't understand what's happening here. And um, watching this helped me understand it. Mm, That's good. Yeah. 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 I I remember uh, when I did watch it, I mean, the the only childhood memories I have of it were I I felt like it was – I knew it was different. You know, I knew it was kind of odd. Mm-hmm. And that—that's the word that I would use—is I felt like it was odd um, mm-hmm. as a kid, um, but I was watching these other things that he probably didn't like. Um, <laughs> you know, as well, most. that I know he didn't like. But you know, Sesame Street—I would say if I was going to have a show that was formative, it would—you know—Sesame Street was the one that I would look forward to, and Mister Rogers may have been on like before or after it or something like that. Um, but I just don't remember watching a lot of that. Um, yeah. but again, Star Trek, <laughs> I can't deny <laughs> that, that it, this space may have been filled with that, which isn't a bad thing. Cause well, you know, the original Star Trek series was full of really good moral stuff. Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was well, cause mm-hmm. it could go on regular TV mm-hmm. at the time and right. that was all okay. I mean, yeah. if the most you're going to see of Captain Kirk getting it on with a green lady is he's sitting on the edge of the bed, <laughs> pulling a boot on, that uh-huh. doesn't mean anything. That's fine. That's how you do it. Right. That's the mm-hmm. same technique used in Sunset Boulevard. Uh-huh. Done. Yeah. A kiss. Everything's dark and she's uh-huh. putting her lipstick on and he is 
like fixing his watch or something <laughs> or doing his cup. It's like, yeah, oh, right. it happens to Betsy, <laughs> but it doesn't mean anything otherwise. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. I was going to say for my kids, and it's funny, I would have to ask them, and I don't think I did. They talk about three shows from their childhood. And well, they don't actually talk about Sesame Street, but we watched it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also um, Wishbone. Which would not have been more like, yeah. huh? I'm not familiar with that one. Oh gosh, Wishbone doesn't that sound familiar. That was yeah. really great, and in fact, it was so formative that um, I had taped. I would tape a bunch of these things on VHS, mm. so that when we came home and it was convenient, we would watch an episode. And Hannah had this huge stack of Wishbone VHSs in her room, and there was a time when she and a whole bunch of her friends came over, and I mean, this is guys and girls, and maybe juniors in high school. Mm-hmm. And they ha- they were in her room and they went, Wishbone, oh my gosh. And they grabbed the whole bunch of them <laughs> and brought them into our family room and started watching them one after the other. Wow. And so what they were is classic literature told through the point of view of a boy named, I think his name was Joe, and he had a little Jack Russell Terrier called Wishbone and Wishbone narrated everything. Huh. And so what would happen is there'd be some parallel little story being told about Joe and his friends and his family. Mm-hmm. And then it would suddenly morph into Pride and Prejudice. Oh, wow. And Wishbone mm-hmm. would be in the story all dressed up as an English gentleman. <laughs> and he'd be dancing with, you know, uh, Lizzie and he'd be you know, like, he'd be Mr. Darcy. Mm-hmm. And they'd do these line dances so they could teach the dog to stop and turn around when the people would turn around. It was adorable. Oh, Everybody cool. loved it. But yeah. he was also in Joan of Arc as her page. Uh-huh. He was in, it was really very well done. That's very and cool. And got a good yeah. essence of the classic story. And so they loved it. They watched probably <laughs> 10 of them before they that's quit. awesome. So I'm, I'm looking at this. So Wishbone, it was on from 95 to 97. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know why we were clued into it from the beginning, but we were. And yeah, it was really good. Been, and then yeah. the other one is that they mentioned sometimes is Gargoyles, where you uh, got a lot of Shakespeare in Gargoyles, believe it or not. Hmm. And it was voiced by a lot of Star Trek characters. So there's your connection. Very nice. Jonathan Frakes and so forth. I've seen Gargoyles because that that was a show that I watched with kids. Um, Yeah. I liked it a lot. Yeah. And that was probably, Mr. Rogers might not like it. I feel like there was a lot of comic book stuff in there, but there was also a lot of other stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. That was interesting. That's funny. Later on, the kids were studying, you know, whatever, Hamlet, Mm -hmm. and they'd go, oh my gosh, this is just like Gargoyles. I'm like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. There you go. I love it. That's great. That's fantastic. Anyway. Yes. Very good. I have one thing. Yeah, go ahead. Do you have your phone on you so you could time us for a minute? Sure. Okay. So Mr. Rogers would do, did a thing and he liked to do this at graduation talks, but they did it at the end of the documentary Uh and I want to do it, which is they, he would say, take one minute to think of the people or the person who helped you become who you are today. Wow. Okay. So I want us to do it. All right. I'm ready. And everybody at home, <laughs> I'm watching. All right. Do it. Timing okay. for a minute starting now. Okay.
And there it is. Okay. Fascinating. Yeah. I remember, I remember, I love that. Who did I think about? Uh Uh, The person that came to mind was Mrs. Seidel from Chemistry. Wow. I know. For me, it was my grandparents, Raymond and Thelma. Nice. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Also, a minute is a very long time. It is. (laughs) (laughs) I remember during the documentary, they were talking about how odd, you know, things that he would do that people shouldn't ever or wouldn't ever do on TV. And one (laughs) of them was like, hey, you want to know how long a minute is? Let's do this. You know, and he'd do that and have me silent for a minute. And they're like, no, you can't do that. (laughs) People will change the channel or whatever it was they were thinking. So, yeah. 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 Too funny. Too funny. Yeah. But what a guy. Um, just, mm-hmm. yeah, just a really incredible thing. Yeah. 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 I'd be interested in reading a biography of him. I wonder if there is one. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Cause it, if that we would, find one, we'll link to it. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds real good. Yeah. Well, thanks for picking this. Um, really good. And I, I do want to go watch that Tom Hanks movie. I haven't seen that. And it's called uh, beautiful day in the neighborhood. Okay. Um, now yeah. that I, now that I've seen this, I think I want to go watch that and uh, see what I think. Yeah. No. And and I was realizing watching this as a second time, I was like, oh yeah, they they articulate some of the things that are mentioned here in different ways, so mm. that you get an example. It's just yeah. like I said, when I found myself really really wanting to watch this instead, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I realized it had gotten to me in a way I I didn't uh, know at the time. Interesting. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm glad you liked it. Very and good. Liked it very much. Yeah, this is a different conversation than we would usually have, I guess, mm-hmm. because of that. But yeah, there but you I'm go. Very good. Very good. Yeah. All right. So what is coming up next for us? It mm. is, ooh, Paladin of Souls <gasps> by Lois Yay! McMaster Bujold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we did uh, Curse of Chalion, and then Paladin of Souls is book two. Yes. Like, is it? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Isn't there? There's like three of them, but one of them's like, uh, I don't know, book one half or something. <laughs> yeah, well, there's and there's a third one, and I've mm. tried two or three times to get into it, uh, and I just can't. So right. it's something's different about it than about these two books. But gotcha. Yes, this is really a wonderful book. So I'm glad you're picking it. Wonderful, wonderful. All right. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Yes. Oh, did you want me to take your sweater? Oh, from yeah. You? Yeah, I, here you go. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. I need to change my shoes. Yeah, yes, please get the right shoes. <laughs> I <Yeah>. will. <laughs> take care, all. Yeah, we'll talk to you again soon. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>